0: You're listening to Sword and Pen.
1: Hey everyone, this is Rich with the Sword and Pen podcast from Military Veterans and Journalism. Today, I'm joined by Marty Barron, most recently the editor of the Washington Post, and prior to that, the Boston Globe. Marty, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So Marty, I know you've recently retired. I just wanted to maybe ask you what you were getting into in your retirement
0: Uh, Well, you know, I've been exploring a lot of different opportunities, but one thing that I've decided to do is to write a book about my experiences, uh, very much centered on my time at the Washington Post, eight years there, uh, but also uh, incorporating some of my previous experiences, uh, particularly in Boston, involving our investigation of the Catholic Church uh, in Miami when I was editor there, uh, the election of 2000 the disputed election of two, presidential election of 2000 as well as the Elian um, Gonzalez case which was a dispute over the uh, young Cuban boy who was picked up at sea and whether he should be returned to his father in Cuba or kept in Miami with his his relatives there and um, so that's what I'm primarily focusing on and um, and talking to some other people about other opportunities
1: All right so I also understand that the book is, aiming to cover maybe where um, politics and tech converge and, and the future of news
0: at large. Um, you know, yeah, it's, you know, the, the title is Collision of Power. It's really a look at uh, these different centers of power and how they came together in a somewhat of a conflict uh, during the Trump years. Um, and um, you, know, you have the president who is almost certainly the most powerful person on earth. Uh, you had a, an owner of the Washington Post, uh, who, whose power was derived from his success in uh, the field of technology, um, and was wealthiest person on earth, uh, and then you had the Washington Post, which is the power of the, the press, and all of that uh, intersected uh, over the, during my time at the Washington Post.
1: So, speaking about the future of news and and what news is and how politics plays into that, corporations, et cetera, obviously, military veterans and journalism focuses on on veterans. Our main mission is to put more vets in newsrooms. Do you think that veterans offer something unique at this time that we found ourselves in in the country in the world and of journalism?
0: I do, and I've been uh, very much encouraging that we uh, at the Washington post that we we seek out uh, veterans to, to hire, and we did. Um, I wish we had had more success than we had, but, um, but that's still something to work on. Um, look, we've been, this country has been at war for uh, a couple of decades now. Um, it's a big part of the American experience. Uh, There's a whole generation that's grown up since 9-11. Uh, so many people can't even remember 9-11 for that matter. Um, and, um, and so it's a big part of the American experience. And I think it's really important that newsrooms reflect America in its totality. Uh, and a big part of that is uh, having people who've uh, served in the military in one fashion or another, and uh, including people who've been in combat. And so um, there's too little of that, I think, in our newsrooms. Uh, you know, there was a time during the Vietnam War when we had a draft in this country where a lot of people in newsrooms had uh, served in the military. Um, and, uh, and now very few, uh, very few do, and, uh, or did. And uh, I think that's something missing in our, in our newsrooms. And I think it's really important that we have that, uh, that perspective. Um, and uh, the military is an important institution in our, in our country. Uh, the, the, these wars that we've been in uh, for a couple of decades have been a big part of the American experience. Um, and there are other, I think there are other advantages that come with having uh, veterans on, uh, on staff as well. Uh, not the least of which is uh familiarity with weaponry. Uh, particularly at a time when we're seeing mass shootings in the United States. Right. And others have pointed out with um, recent extremism that is,
1: has popped up in militarized fashion that veterans can offer, you know, insightful analytical coverage of, of what's going on based on their experience in, in
0: the military. I think that's right. And and I think that also we want, uh, we want to have insights into the military as an institution. I mean, uh, you know, there is a tendency often to cover the military as an institution strictly from the top down. I think what, what is an, one of the advantages of having people who've served in the military is that they can help us cover the institution from the bottom up um, from the perspective of people who, uh, um, who have enlisted. And so um, I think that's really important. And, uh, and that's a very different perspective uh, than uh, what you hear from uh, people at the top and whether it's the civilian leadership of the, of, uh, of the, the military or whether it's uh, the generals themselves. And so um, look, I mean, in newsrooms, we should have people from all corners of American society, um, lots of different kinds of people. Uh, that's, uh, you know, we talk a lot about diversity and I think it's important, but I think it, it stretches beyond uh, racial, ethnic uh, lines and lines of identity uh, into sort of life experience. And so, uh, I think that's really important. Absolutely,
1: and what you brought up about the institution and uh, and looking at it from the bottom up instead of the top down, um, I think is really important because at least my time in the army, which wasn't that long ago, I, I recall nobody spoke to the press. I mean, there was if you did, um, you know,
0: there was usually hell to be paid. Uh, um, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, there are plenty of people in the military who have spoken to the press, and there are people who have been embedded, obviously, with, uh, with troops uh, overseas, uh, particularly during times of combat. I think the military has become more reluctant. Uh, you know, it, 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 um, the feelings within the military have sort of waxed and waned over the years. On the one hand, you know, they uh, are wary of, uh, of the press. On the other hand, they're upset when when there's no reflection in the press of the sacrifices that are being made by people in the military. Well, the only way you can do that, provide that kind of coverage is if you're actually there with uh, the troops. And um, and so, um, you know, the military sometimes wants us and sometimes doesn't want us. And so um, it kind of depends on the circumstances.
1: Right, I
0: recall being on the
1: side of a mountain in Nangarhar, in Afghanistan, uh, a few years ago, and uh, there was a uh, somebody. I was assuming it was a stringer taking a photo, and they said, "Oh, yeah, this ended up in the Washington Post. The soldier had a beard, had his shirt off on a 50 cal, and you know, we all got yelled at for that." But I think my point is of of bringing this up is that the the human aspect of it, because soldiers and and service members are humans, and and hearing that story from that end is extremely important so that we see it. Yes, we see it as an institution, but we see the human aspect to that institution and we can relate, which then draws, you know, the um, covers, the gaps that, that, you know, are bridged between us.
0: Absolutely. I think that's uh, absolutely right. And, um, and, you know, I think that's what we, we in the press want to do. The responsible press would like to do is to sort of capture what's really happening on the ground Uh, Not just in combat, but the people who are serving in combat and and what their life is like and what they're experiencing and uh, and humanize humanize it. Um, And, um, and by the way, journalists are humans too. So uh, I think it's really important to understand that. And uh, we all have our, our human qualities, some of them are good, some of them not so good. Uh, We're just human,
1: right? And yeah, I think it's obviously important to point that out. And speaking about institutions, I, I've read a couple of the recent commencement speeches that you've delivered, and uh, one of them you, you spoke about the importance of institutions over over self and not to you know emphasize this this personal branding and and whatnot, which I'd like to ask about. But I mean, how how much of a parallel do you draw between the institution of journalism and something like the institution of the military?
0: Uh, well, look, I mean, I, I haven't served in the military myself, so I don't want to be, I want to be very, very careful not to sort of express views on something that I you know, have a limited knowledge of. But uh, I think they're quite different uh, from what I can tell. Um, I mean, the military is a very regimented environment, uh, obviously, uh, and, journal, and newsrooms are not a very regimented environment. Um, and a lot of the people who are in, the, in newsrooms are kind of um, uh, people who reject regimentation, frankly. Uh, it's a little bit closer to a university faculty than it is, uh, well, not exactly like it, but more like a university faculty than it is like the military, uh, you know, where the faculty want to kind of do their own things. They operate within the realm of, within the framework of an institution um, and yet, um, you know, the, they, they take their own initiative, they do their own things. It all comes together in some sort of unified whole, uh, but um, it's not it's it's not regimented in the way that the military is
1: right i I think there's some clear differences I, i think maybe in forms of of similarity of serving an institution that's bigger than yourself i think it's it's the values that go along with that and the dedication to duty of of saying like i i'm committing myself not for financial gains or or anything or fame but rather because you know i feel like there's something important to be done and i could be
0: part of that right uh i think that's right and i i think look i mean all of us who work within institutions uh uh, I think the best of us uh, want to sort of serve the interests of that institution. We joined it because we believe in the core principles um, and to a large degree we subordinate uh, our individual interests uh, on behalf of the interests of the institution that we believe in. Um, and uh, it's perhaps, perhaps in the military, the subordination goes uh, far deeper uh, is to a far greater degree than it is uh, in, in the past for sure.
1: Right. And just to touch on the personal branding piece. I mean, I think, um, I didn't, when I got out of the military, I went through J school and I think a lot of other veterans obviously have as well. And a lot of our membership, one of the big things that's pushed is like, hey, look, as as a young journalist, you have to have a brand. What's your social media look like? What is your message? What is your brand? Who are you? And, and that's something that is really difficult. I've seen for vets to do because you're so used to separating yourself and becoming part of the bigger group that now you're you're being pushed into like embracing yourself and promoting yourself. And, you know, I just curious what your thoughts are on that since you mentioned it.
0: Right, I mean, it's a tricky, I think it's tricky and I think it's still being worked out as evidenced by many of the controversies surrounding social media uh, now at the Associated Press, previously at the Washington Post <laughs> involving me. Um, and, um, and I think that, you know, we still have to figure that out. I mean, I think that it's, uh, look, journalists join these, uh, these institutions like the Washington Post or the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or many other institutions because of the reputation they've established right uh, the reputation was built on certain things. the reputation was built on the institution's principles, its standards, its practices. those are what built the, those are what built the reputation of the institution. Now we live in a, a time where people have access to uh, uh, means of expression that didn't exist in the old days uh, and those are that is social media so a Twitter account or Facebook or whatever it might be and um, and those sorts of things are not are not, uh, subjected to editing uh, in the same way that stories are, um, and and people even feel more freedom on those on those socia- on those social networks than they do when they're giving a radio interview or when they're giving a television interview or something like that. Um, you know, we have proposed to have uh, standards that are supposed to apply. People can be looser. Uh, they can show more of their personality. They can provide more insight. They can provide more wit. Uh, they you know they can be more informal. They can uh, all of that, uh, but where we drew the line was that people expressing their own uh, uh, personal views on the sorts of things that we are covering uh, that comes into particular uh, uh, focus when it comes to politics and, and, but on other things as well. So that, uh, that the reporters are not opinion writers. We have opinion writers. Uh, they write the editorials, they write the columns, uh, things like that. Uh, but that if you're a reporter, uh, you have your lane um, and your lane is not to be expressing your own personal opinion. You can provide insight, perspective, analysis, all those sorts of things, personality, wit, what have you. So there's a lot more freedom, um, but that is not that you don't have total freedom to just to go out and express your views. And the reason is because uh, is because reporters are viewed as representatives of the institution. Uh, in fact, the reason they Probably The reason they probably have so many followers is because they're associated with the institution. And, um, and so uh, there, has to be, there have to be some boundaries, there have to be some guidelines uh, that govern that. Uh, working those out to everybody's satisfaction is really difficult, it's proving to be really difficult. Um, and yes, while the reporters can develop their own brands, uh, at least in my estimation, in my opinion, uh, that doesn't mean that they have complete freedom to just express their views on any subject that they'd like uh, because um, they're not seen by the public as just expressing their own personal views. They're seen as expressing the views of the institution. Of course, right, which, you know, I think not,
1: obviously nobody's perfect and not every veteran comes out of the box it's amazing, but I think by and far, I mean, the, the, the typical, typical experience of serving in the military is, Subordinating oneself to the 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 institution's larger needs or, or reputation that must be upheld, and yeah, you could have your own social media in the military too, but you can't go on there and speak about certain things. I mean, there's there's rules against okay. it for for the better of the of the organization as a whole,
0: right? And that's true of uh, that's true of police, that's true of uh, officers of the court, uh, that's true of all people in all sorts of uh, uh, all sorts of uh, professions. Uh, is that there are certain rules that govern their behavior. Uh, which constrain their individual, uh, individual activities and individual uh, forms of expression. And so, um, so I don't think it's all that different uh, in, in journalism in that way. Um, but yeah, and I think that people who come out, of the, at least my experience with veterans who've served on our staff uh, is they do come with a certain um, uh, respect for the institution and a, and a sort of a uh, adherence to authority uh, that is not as common among uh, journalists who have not gone through the military. So uh, one of our former reporters, uh, when he came on board, he was constantly calling me, sir. <laughs> I had to specifically request that he not do that. It, was, it took, I think it took years to break him. I'm not sure I entirely did. Uh, and, um, you know, that he could just call me Marty. That would be fine. Uh, he didn't need to call me, sir. And when I would tell him that he would say, yes, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely hard to break uh, some habits over others. But, yeah, great points, and something that I was taught in in J school that I thought i I took very personally or very much to the heart was, yeah, it's not about your opinion. It's not about what you think. I mean, those things are labeled opinion very specifically. But I found that once I graduated, my eyes opened up to the bigger world of news and journalism. I, I found that a lot of some respected institutions and and others that weren't adhering to it, at least, in some aspects or some articles or whatever it was, one off here or there. Um, and it was, it was frustrating to me being new to it because I was like, this is what I was just told. I mean, I was just banged into my head from my instructors and I very much appreciated that and felt easy to conform to because of what I had done in the military. I was like, all right, rules. I like rules, easy to follow. I, I can do this.
0: Um, so yeah. yeah. All these things change, this is a very contentious subject at the moment as to how much freedom people should have. Uh, you know, the nature of journalism has changed over the years. It's not the same today. If you go back and look at stories that were written uh, a half century ago, uh, the stories read very differently from the stories today. Uh, They're virtually unreadable, frankly, Uh, and uh, in many ways. But so, you know, standards change. Look, standards within the military have changed, I mean, as well. um, You know, the military allows uh, certain greater freedoms today, I think, in terms of Appearance and all of that than, than they did in the past. And, um, and so uh, institutions change over time uh, based on changing social mores uh, and societal norms. And so uh, this is something that I think the profession is really working out, is working through right now. Uh, as always, when you try to work through these things, it's pretty fitful, it's pretty uh, difficult, it's contentious, it's controversial. Um, uh, people have strong strong emotions about it um uh, I assume that we'll f- we'll figure it out look there are no you know j- as you know journalism doesn't it doesn't come with a, an actual rule book um you know um each institution can set its own rules uh, but there's no rule book that, and there's no certification process as you don't register as a journalist you know none of that sort of stuff uh you don't have to get a license to be a journalist in the United states thankfully um, so, and there are different kinds of journalism. You know, there's uh, there's journalism, advocacy journalism, and there's commentary. And there are, you know, publications or or media outlets that have strong points of view. Um, that's always been the case in the United States, going back to the founding. It was originally, you know, pamphlets that were highly ideological in nature, and this notion that journalism was some sort of, uh, you know, sort of neutral uh, party in the political. Uh, um, in the political environment, not, that certainly wasn't the case at the founding of the country. Um, this has been more a phenomenon of the last uh, 100 years and in journalism and uh, it's evolved, particularly over the last 50 to 60 years. And now people it's going through some level of rethinking. Um, I think probably in large part is a reaction to what's transpired over the last four years um, and the attacks that journalists have come under and, and the attacks on certain values that most journalists uh, probably hold uh, fairly dear right
1: yeah and at the struggle at the same time is to obviously be entertaining or engaging and uh not just write. you know this happened on this day at this time and there yeah. you know, there's well, news so
0: i think that's right i mean i look we're we're journalists we're not stenographers i mean there is a profession called stenography and that's fine because that's you're just recording exactly what people said uh but there's a reason we call it journalism and not stenography and right. that is that uh, you know, we try to say why did this happen? Who's responsible for it happening? Who's going to be affected by it? Uh, who influenced these? Who influenced these decisions? Um, you know, it's the story behind, behind the story, and it's not just uh, recitative. People who say just give me the facts. Well, that's you know, there is stenography. We can just record. You know, take a recording device. Uh, but that's not the role. That's not the role of journalists. The role of journalists is to go beyond uh, beyond the superficial, frankly.
1: Right. So, yeah, absolutely. And I kind of want to roll up here by asking kind of what do you offer to a young veteran or any veteran for that matter who's thinking about, hey, you know, I think I like this world of journalism. I want to I get out. I want to kind of dip my feet into it. What, what would you offer up to that type of person?
0: Well, first of all, I would encourage it. I mean, I think, as I said at the beginning, I think it's really it's really needed. I think that we need that, uh, the presence of uh, military veterans in in our newsrooms. They bring a perspective that uh, most people in newsrooms simply don't have. Uh, you know, war has been, you know, sadly has been a, a part of the American experience over the last couple of decades. And, um, and we'll certainly have wars in the future, I'm sure. Um, and, um, and so, you know, I think that we, we should offer the, the opportunity to grow, uh, the opportunity to continue their training, the opportunity for journalists, for military veterans, like all journalists in newsrooms to, to uh, constantly learn, learn new things um, to see their careers progress. um, And, uh, you know, I think that's offer the opportunity to learn from colleagues um, and to try new things and to, to develop themselves as, as, you know, as individuals um, and, um, and uh, experience new things. Look, there's some people who come out of the military and, They don't want to cover the military. Uh, But there's some people who come out of the military and they do want to cover the military. And that's great. I mean, we have had, you know, uh people who, I mean, at the Washington Post, uh, you know, just to mention two. I mean, Thomas Gibbons Neff, who now works for the New York Times, you know, covers Afghanistan. And uh, but he covered the helped cover the Pentagon for us, and um, and you know, he's back where he served. And um and uh, Alex Horton who uh, you know was also in the in the military and in combat, uh, he's covering uh, the Pentagon, the military. Not everybody wants to do that. They want to do maybe want to do something else and explore a different aspect of their own their own interests and their personality. Um, and that's great. Um, and so I think we should just offer people the opportunity to continue to grow, to develop their careers, um, and. Um, and that's basically, that's basically what we to be doing. Right. Yeah. I think that's
1: obviously important to flag and call
0: out is not
1: everybody wants to do military stuff for the rest of their life after they just did it. It's, it doesn't work like that
0: always, but um, I'll kind of finish oh, off I think, here. I think it's really important that we recognize that, that uh, veterans are individuals just like everybody else and uh, that we shouldn't generalize about their interests and, uh, and where they want to take their careers. Absolutely. And
1: I think that plays into what my next question was, which was kind of my last question. What, what would you offer up to editors who are looking at hiring more veterans or they want to? Because I know you had mentioned you didn't maybe hire as many as you would have wanted to, or you wish it could have been more for whatever reason it was. I mean, what could you offer to an editor who says, you know, I think I want this perspective in my newsroom?
0: I say great, you know, I'm, I, I've tried to encourage that as much as, pos- as much as possible, I think what we have lacked, frankly, is a reservoir of talent coming forward, you know, and I think that I would hope that with your organization that we will start to see see more. I've, I've been encouraging of that and, um, and I would, um, you know, I'm on the uh, board of the Knight Foundation, which I think is one of the organizations that's helping to support uh, your organization in one fashion or another and and, um, and I think that's really, it's really important to do, but there's gotta there's got be a bigger pool of talent uh, coming out of the military. And, um, and so, you know, for the editors, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, and um, it's, a little, it's a little tricky because, uh, you know, the, the veterans who are coming out, they, they're older. Uh, they haven't gone through the normal internships that a lot of uh, younger people have who didn't go, who didn't serve. Um, and so perhaps they haven't checked off all the boxes that, um, you know, that we tend to, we tend to look for. So I think we have to think beyond that. I think we have to, I would hope that these organizations would try to develop some programs that would actually encourage, uh, the hiring of veterans, um, and, um, and provide the kind of training that I think, uh, that people perhaps missed out on simply because they were serving in the military. And I don't that they should be disadvantaged as a result of that um, and and so um you know i think that there's a lot that the profession can do in this regard um in terms of creating opportunities in the same way that other companies have provided opportunities for veterans as well
1: absolutely yeah i think uh, translating that service is something that's very difficult and and through advocacy groups like like mvj i mean we can easily have a get on the line with an editor and say, Hey, you know, this is what this means. This is what this means. This is how it translates. You know, we have plenty of workshops and things that we have open dialogue um, about these things. And yeah, it's obviously extremely important to be able to translate it into civilian terms. So um, with that, I'll ask you, Marty, do you have anything that you want to leave off with before we close out here?
0: No, I wish you uh, I wish your organization all the best the uh, best of luck I think it's uh, very much needed and uh, and I trust uh, that it will it will make a difference that it will lead to more more veterans getting into journalism and that it will um, facilitate the, the hiring and training of journalists within news organizations absolutely well thank you for your time Marty thank you I
1: appreciate your interest